Hello, friend. This is Alexis Honey with the Gentle Co-Sleeper Podcast, and we are back with another episode. And today's topic is, is just unbelievable. The, the woman that I speak to just really just blows my mind. I cannot believe this is one of my favorite conversations I've ever had with any human, and let alone just one on a podcast. But I just can't wait for you to listen to this episode. But you already know I have to start with a story or some kind of tidbit from motherhood. And I got one to tell you about Charlie. Charlie is my youngest, my little baby, my stunkapunkatunkapunka, whatever you want to call him. He is just, oh, my heart. He literally, I can't even tell you. This little boy just plays to my heartstrings. He smiles, I melt. He is literally the epitome of what my baby is. And anyway, so he's starting to talk, move around, mimic his brother. It's just so beautiful to see their relationship starting to really flourish. He loves to share with him. He loves to see what his big brother's doing. He makes little truck noises just like his big brother. You can really see that big brother, little brother dynamic really start to blossom and develop as they get a little bit older. But Charlie, like I said, he's beginning to talk a lot. You know, he's starting to say words, you know, make sounds of cows. There's just one word that he just refuses to say. And I know he can say it because he says it every day, but when it's time to say it, he won't say it. And that's dada. Okay. Like, I don't know why he won't call dada dada, but he calls dada mama. Okay. And I keep telling my husband, like, it's just the caregiver. He calls you mama because you take care of him. He recognizes that you do the things that I do for him. Like it makes the feeling, whatever. But I know this little man can say dada. So when I ask him to say Ben, he says Baba and Baba is Ben's nickname. And I say mama, he says mama, he says apple. He says, hi, he says, bye. He says, Emma from the Wiggles, but he just will not call dad, 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 dad. Like <laughs> it reminds me of the dinosaur from dinosaurs, the little baby, not the mama. <laughs> That's what my little Charlie reminds me of. So it's just so funny. It's just a little dynamic in our household that really just got, you know, my husband in his feels. And I think it's just so cute because he just just cries for mama, which my husband completely exploits sometimes. Cause when he says mama, he's actually asking for him to pick him up, but he's like, Oh, mama's over there. Go ask her for something. And we, that no, we know that was a dad, dad, mama. We know that he's saying mama, but he's really meaning dad, but I'll take it. <laughs> Today we are talking to the breastfeeding mentor, Danielle. She is amazing. We talk about extended breastfeeding and infancy. We talk about aversions. We talk about ownership. We talk about, you know, the sexuality of our bodies and, and regaining that and how our time with our partner doesn't have to be mutually exclusive, exclusive with our breastfeeding journey. There's just so much stuff that we unpack. And I really, really hope that you just just love this episode, just breathes life into you because it's just so, just so feminine and so beautiful. So I'm not going to go any further. Let's talk about the breast practices with Danielle from The Breastfeeding Mentor. Parents everywhere are being told how to raise their littles because we are creating that infamous rod in our back and suppressing their independence. The Gentle Co-Sleeper podcast is here to myth-bust and fact-check those societal norms and scare tactics surrounding co-sleeping, bed-sharing, and responding to our baby's cries, while connecting you with resources, testimony, and experts in the parenting community around the globe, promoting safe sleep and secure attachment to our children. I wish to be all-inclusive as I navigate through my own journey of motherhood while trying not to raise assholes or lose my shit. 
Welcome to the Gentle Co-Sleeper. I am glad you're here. Hello, everybody. We are here. This day I have been waiting for. I've been swooning over today's guest. She is my favorite booby mommy on Instagram. We have Danielle here, the breastfeeding mentor. Good afternoon. How are you? Hi, Alexis. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a privilege to be yeah, on the show with you. I'm a big fan. Um, I'm really well, thanks. I'm really good. How are you? Oh, I am. I'm doing so great. I am finally back on schedule and routine of taking care of myself and doing what I love mm -hmm. most. And that's talking to beautiful, lovely mommies like you. So here we are. And we are talking about breastfeeding and all of its glory. I know that you are not only an influencer or in with the right of in on Instagram, but you're an author now. You just wrote this great book that I just ordered and I've read through and it is unbelievable. It's something that I want every new mom before babies or even veteran breastfeeders to read. So before we jump into this episode, Danielle, please give my listeners just a brief description of who you are and what you do and what you plan on accomplishing being on The Gentle Co-Sleeper. Okay, thank you so much. That's a massive compliment about the book. I really appreciate it. And yeah, I very much, I actually started this account initially. It was the start of the first global lockdown that crazy, scary time um, back in 2019. And we had just found out that our big fat African wedding, like on a nature reserve in the middle of Zimbabwe, was be had just been cancelled. And I was in quite a dark place, to be honest. Um, yeah, I'd just gone, I'd gone back to work and then um, had what I can only describe as a nervous breakdown trying to juggle motherhood and breastfeeding and working, yeah, crazy hours. Um, so honestly, the lockdown came as a bit of a relief for me. Um, it was kind of a time to reset and just be at home with my fiancé and my son. And it was at that time that I started to, to journal initially and just make notes for myself, just for my own mental health. And then I started to post about it and gradually, yeah, the posts just got longer and longer and more frequent. And I just really loved doing it as well. And I think the thing that first spurred me on and triggered me creating the account was just feeling like I was the only mom that I knew who was still breastfeeding. And at that time, my son was only, he was only 10 months old. Mm -hmm. um, so he wasn't even one. But I didn't have any any friends who were also breastfeeding and um, friends who I'd made had met uh, during our antenatal classes had stopped around the six month mark or, or before then. And so I just very much needed to find a community of moms who I could relate to and, yeah, feel like I wasn't completely alone. Um, and I just very much felt like all of the mainstream advice that I had been getting was about sleep training and forcing my child to be independent. And it just felt so against my, you know, my intuition and yeah, my, my desires as a mother, I just couldn't relate to what I felt was the mainstream advice out there and all of these baby books that I just, yeah, they just didn't sit right with me at all. So yeah, that's what triggered me to start the Breastfeeding Mentor and I'm hoping to just do whatever I can to normalise breastfeeding generally 
but more importantly, breastfeeding or helping mums to breastfeed for as long as they choose and also to stop whenever they choose, whether that's three days, three months or three years. Um, I really hope to just normalise breastfeeding for any amount of time and destigmatize it as well because there's just so much judgment and yeah lots of people are really angry about um seeing like a toddler breastfeeding they yeah they have really triggered reactions which um I'm not sure that I expected but I think it's sad and I'd love to do whatever I can to you know change perceptions or just educate a few people really Right. And just advocate for that too. I think that you, I love, I think your story is just in so much parallel to so, I think the mass majority, majority of mothers, because the, the whole global pandemic really allowed that pause to really focus on what matters and what we can truly live without and what we truly need. And when you take that pause and you kind of just only focusing on the nuclear side of your life, just the little center of it, things start to become more apparent of what you want for yourself. Yes. You know, and you wanting to create that own surrounding, you know, protection around your own views is what all of us want to do. That's what we're all seeking to, especially in our breastfeeding journey. And you to talk about the triggers that the majority of people have while seeing toddlers breastfeed. It is, it it made me feel very uncomfortable. I have a very specific memory of a family member upset that I exposed myself to his sons and Mm -hmm. that it was gross and that I was exposing myself to these children as I was feeding my, my infant, he wasn't even a toddler yet. You know, it was just that, that sexualization that surrounded breasts is just so isolating and can be, you know, be accused of something like that was traumatizing to me because all I wanted to do was feed my child and not feel like I'm exposing, like, what is that about? You know, why is it so triggering for society and women and men that don't breastfeed when you see an infant attached to a breast because breasts society has been sexualized so Mm -hmm. deeply rooted in our our society I really wanted to talk about us taking that ownership back to our bodies Mm -hmm. because when it comes to not only the judgments of surrounding societies family members even maybe our spouses or our partners or whoever that's close in our circles we just feel that all of this is off limits except for the baby it's the only thing that we see our breasts for once we become empowered in the breastfeeding that's really what we see our breasts for so it kind of contradicts what people are saying like how you're saying no it's not sexual these are my, you know, I feed my child with this, but then your spouse or your partner or whatever is making it sexual. So there's like this contradiction in your head is how do we, how common is that to feel that way? I think it's incredibly common just judging by messages that I receive every day. And like you said, perhaps partners feeling uncomfortable with the breastfeeding and feeling like breasts are completely off limits. Um, it's something that my partner and I had to deal with. And mm. I think it was around, my son was around 18 months old. And I was just, it kind of struck me all of a sudden. I was like, hmm, you never touch my boobs anymore. What's that about? <laughs> and I think 
I, judging from the messages and things that I receive, I think my perspective is that obviously when I'm nursing, there's, there's no, there's no sexual, you know, feeling there at all. It's, I'm just nurturing and loving my son. Um, but in a completely different context, I, context, I don't think the two need to be mutually exclusive. I think you can still feel sexy um, and your breasts can still be part, you know, can still be in a erogenous zone, even if you are breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I felt that way at the start of my breastfeeding journey when they were like engorged and huge and like rocks. And, yeah, I probably didn't feel that way for a while. But I think probably beyond a year, there was just, there was some distance and perhaps because my son wasn't only nursing then for, for nutrition. Mm-hmm. I was able to make that distinction and not, mm. yeah, not necessarily think that my breasts were just for breastfeeding or just for my partner. I think, yeah, in the right context, it's totally possible to feel still, you know, feel sexy about your body and just be a nurturer as well. I don't see right. that there's a problem with that, but I think society has a major problem with that. And right. I think it's because we're so far removed from our instincts and nature mm. people seem to forget that that's why we have breasts like we wouldn't right. have if they weren't to nurture so what's the <laughs> issue with just using right. yeah, exactly it is and you know what mm. I right as you're talking about being able to not have them mutually exclusive that goes for every kind of you know your body, your whole body's anatomy, you know, your entire body's anatomy is that set compartmentalization. Like our, the way we birth children, that is something that our body is made to do, but we also can enjoy pleasure from, you know, any, that there's just, it's every part of our body. Any Mm. it's, you can, and it's so, it's, it just baffles me how something as, what society sexualizes is what is deemed wrong. And I love your one of your newest reels because your face just gave me life when, you know, someone called you a human pacifier and oh. you're like, oh, wait. So boobs were made after pacifiers, not the other way around. And then you just give this face that like <laughs> breathed life into my body because it's literally the face I want to give to absolutely everybody that has any kind of opinion of what I do with my breasts or my body. Why are complete strangers and particularly on TikTok, my goodness, that is a crazy platform. Why are strangers so concerned and so offended by what I do with my own breasts? I, Mm -hmm. for me, that's just, that's like the man just screaming down at me and each patriarchal society running amok because there is no way that I'm allowing anyone, any man, woman, anyone to tell me how I'm going to mother and what I'm going to do with my body. I don't know, like my fiance makes jokes about it all the time. He's like, if you if you want Danielle, if you don't want Danielle to do something, then don't tell her that because she's <laughs> going to do the opposite. And yeah, it just really, it really frustrates me that anyone thinks they have the right to comment on what a woman does with her body, particularly when it's so beneficial to her and her Mm -hmm. children. Mind-blowing. 
Yeah. And it's not right. just like, oh, it's nutrients, not even their immune system, but longevity, you know, ovarian cancer, breast mm -hmm. cancer, all different kinds of actual scientific proof saying that the benefits of breastfeeding is remarkable. It's it's something as close to magic. If you'd had no idea what the power of that kind of exchange is, not only for the child, but for the mother, the safe, the safety of the mental health, her body, everything that breastfeeding encompasses, that face, if you guys do not go to her Instagram and just look, I felt it. Because that it is, that's it. Excuse yeah. me, human pacifier. Mm -hmm. The pacifier is made after a human nipple. Like, get out of here. I just, I couldn't even believe it. Now, as we stay empowered with our breasts and our breastfeeding and our body autonomy and all of these things and our business to do what we want, there's also those downsides. It's beautiful. And mm -hmm. it's not that we're tired of breastfeeding, but we're tired from breastfeeding <laughs> and we get overstimulated. And with you. It, so, you know, some mothers deal with demer or, you know, just exhaustion and I just, I read a little, a little bit of your book about overstimulation and I absolutely loved it, but just in short terms, what can we do as mothers when we come just completely physically overstimulated? Mm. Honestly, I, I think that when we're feeling touched out, it's rather than, I mean, I feel like breastfeeding is a scapegoat for so many things and, mm -hmm. um, I agree that yes, it's wonderful, but it does have lots of down, you know, lots of challenges and but I think if we were better supported as mothers we wouldn't we wouldn't experience many of those challenges including feeling touched out so for me the difference like I didn't experience any kind of aversion until my son was around probably around 18 months old and then I was back at home before then I was at work ridiculous hours in the daytime sometimes 14 hours a day um, and then I come home and I was just so glad to be re reunited with him I call it reunion boob I was just like so grateful to have him there was no chance I was feeling touched out because I'd missed him so desperately during the daytime but then when I was at home and I made this shift in my career um, and for a period of around it was about four or five months we were living over an hour away from any family and my fiance was working yeah 60 plus hours a week and so Farai and I my son were home alone a lot <laughs> like mm -hmm. I mean it was constant and it was then I started to experience yeah just feeling like I just need to breathe I need some space I need to be me I need to not be mommy for a minute and I really think that when we are feeling touched out and we're experiencing aversion, it's because our bodies are telling us, okay, this is too much. <laughs> you need mm -hmm. some help. Maybe you are not hydrated enough. You're probably not eating very well. You're yeah, almost certainly not getting enough sleep. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, you, you need some help. Um, I, there's an expert called Zainab Shah. She wrote a book called Breastfeeding Sucks and it's all about DEMA and aversion. And it's just really interesting that vitamin deficiencies and yeah, dehydration can be triggers. And I've noticed just since paying attention to my menstrual cycle that when I'm due on and I've got PMS, the 
yeah, the aversion ramps up <laughs> and mm. I find myself thinking, oh my gosh, just go to sleep. I, I don't want you on there anymore. You know, I don't want you latched on. And just being aware of that just makes it, kind of makes it a little bit more manageable and mm. makes me more willing to just ask for help and be really honest with my partner, my sister, my mom about just needing some time when no one is touching me. <laughs> I'm not doing anything that is looking after anyone else in any way. And I might just be lying completely flat on the bed. <laughs> right. Maybe probably listening to a podcast or an audiobook. And yeah. yeah, just being aware of that really helps, I think. Yeah. Right. And I love that you touched on the hydration because you also have a real, I'm telling you, I just love your stuff about how dehydration can be a trigger to aversions. Like if you are feeling overstimulated, touched out, drink some water. It's dehydration really ties into a lot of that as well as like you said, the vitamins and all of that. And I didn't you the power of water is unbelievable as well. But I think that you touching on hydration when it comes to aversions, because Mm. now that I even look back, what happened when my aversions really kicked in full throttle, where I literally feel like I cannot breathe, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's an actual physical feeling where I am unable to take a relaxed breath. I am literally feeling like I just need to eject my son away from my body. Like I just need to take space. I really look back this, what I, I got pregnant, found out I was pregnant. And then three days later we got on lockdown and I was still breastfeeding my son. And so all these shifts, I was a full-time student, couldn't do that anymore. I, you know, couldn't, you know, I couldn't work. There was no childcare. There was just everything switched. And all of us, like, I stopped, you know, eating as much, stopped drinking as much water. And then I dried up. I was dry nursing for three months to keep that connection. And that three months was probably the worst part of my motherhood this far because Mm -hmm. of how negatively that relationship between me and my son was. And it probably had, I mean, obviously to do with the stress of the world, but something as simple as just reminding myself to hydrate and to, you know, feed myself nutrients probably could have helped me with that. And then you speak about that in your book too. So there's just so many resources that we have that aren't readily available to us that I've found that I'm just so, you know, that's my mission for mothers that are either first time mommies or just struggling now to apply, you know, show them that there's these resources. There's people like us, me and you that really started at ground zero, had our emotional breakdowns, had those times in motherhood that were just so impossible to get through. Mm -hmm. And then once we release from those moments, we allow time to heal that, to come back and to share that knowledge to help Mm -hmm. is really why we're here, you know, why we want to talk, why we have written our books, why we have our podcasts and our platforms, because we know what it is to feel alone. And we don't want other women and mothers and families to feel that. And with that, all of that, how can we take back some of our ownership as women, as mothers, as people to really bring out the more you know, beauty of breastfeeding and everything that comes with motherhood. What are some, you know, really simple tips to take back our ownership so we can alleviate some of these stressful times as we nurture our children? Yeah, well, I think um, 
One a conversation that comes to mind as you ask me that is one that I had very early in my motherhood with a friend and we were both just complaining about how exhausted we were and how breastfeeding was so draining and so on. And she said, have you noticed how dads don't ask for time out and they don't ask for permission to practice self-care? Like they just say, oh, babe, I'm going to meet blah, blah, or, you know, I'm going to do this. She said, imagine if we did that too. And yeah, that really stuck with me because, yeah, men don't, I mean, I'm generalizing, but as a rule, dads don't ask for permission to just go and be themselves. But I, yeah, I very much struggled, yeah, like in the fourth trimester. I felt like I was going crazy just having to seek that permission from someone else before I could do anything that wasn't, you know, just being at home, nursing my boy. I found that very challenging. And I think just giving ourselves permission, acknowledging that we are worth the time and energy and all of the love and care that we lavish on others, we are worthy of too. And I think that is a huge lesson. It's a, yeah, it's a massive step to take, particularly if you're just in that postpartum period when your emotions are everywhere, you're really in the thick of it. Um, But actually that's probably when you need the most time and care and pampering and just a chance to recover, recuperate. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that would be my, my biggest tip is just to acknowledge that you deserve just as much love and care as everyone that you love. And yeah, I think the media in particular paints mothers as martyrs who are just supposed to give and give and give and It doesn't matter how empty your cup is, just, you know, you've got to be self-sacrificing and you've got to tend to everyone's needs before your own. And I really think that 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 only ends up with in resentment of the people that we ultimately love and feeling like we've missed out and we haven't had a chance to just be ourselves because we've been so completely consumed with looking after everyone else that we've been neglected I think, yeah, over time, that resentment builds up and, yeah, we need to stop it before that happens. I think lots of mothers struggle with the, just giving themselves permission to ask for help Mm -hmm. or to ask for a morning off, a day off, an early night, a lie-in. And I think, yeah, if you can do that, that is half the battle, more than half the battle, it's literally 99% of the battle. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I think if you if you struggle to feel that you are worthy of that initially, and I certainly did at the beginning of my motherhood, then do it for your children. Because mm. if we don't, like, we are their biggest role models, whether we want to be or not. <laughs> you know, there's a famous saying that you should do, do as I say, not as I do. And that's just not how the human brain works. Mm-hmm. our internal work exact model. opposite actually exactly do, like I'm gonna do what you do <laughs> that's what exactly. whether we yeah. like it or not our children right. you know they grow up and their brains are molded by the way we behave how we talk to one another whether we take time out for ourselves or not that impacts them and so I think if you cannot 
at the moment, you know, if you're at Earth, you're starting in a pretty dark place, and I definitely was. If you can't yet find justification for that time out, initially do it for your children. Take that time out just so that you're modeling it for them and ask for the help just so that they know, oh, it's okay. You know, mommy's human. She struggles sometimes and she's worthy of help and love and care, just like me, just like daddy, just like everyone we know and love. I don't know if it's the same in the US, but certainly in the UK, the last generation of mothers were, yeah, complete, were just expected to put their hopes and dreams and needs aside for their family. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that was just the way it was. Um, And as a consequence, like my sisters and I, my cousins and I, my friends and I have found it difficult to, you know, stand up for ourselves and ask for the things that we really need actually just to be well as human beings, let alone as mothers. And Mm -hmm. so I'm really grateful for the pandemic, actually, for that, just having such an extended period to reflect. And, yeah, without so much of the outside noise, Mm -hmm. I really feel like it was integral. And, yeah, just from conversations I've been having with moms all over the world, I think it's, yeah, really shifted the way that we think about ourselves and our motherhood and who we are and like you said what's really important mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what uh, I see this is why I love just talking to other like we are completely opposite end of the world and here we are just aligning so deeply into our own paths and our own journeys and I know that we both are also nursing toddlers Yes. past the one, you know, the infamous 12 months and then introduce cow's milk stage. And we, the stigma behind breastfeeding and toddlers, we've, we were talking about it, about how odd it is that people look to toddlers and in the interactions with their mothers and be triggered and disgusted. So, I mean, what is this, what is the stigma behind breastfeeding toddlers, Daniel? Like what, what's the deal with pickle? Like I would say, what's the deal pickle? What is going on here? Like get off. What is going on? For me, I think it's because they, the, the real issue is that, well, firstly, that we should be encouraging and sometimes forcing our children to be more independent than society perceives them to be. And yeah, for some people, I think particularly in, in a Western context, having a child dependent on you so physically and in such a an intimate way for comfort is just unacceptable. Mm-hmm. I think as well, it makes a difference if you're nursing um, a son or a daughter in terms of the, the way that you're sexualized. Mm-hmm. Really wow, sad, like, one. again, coming back to TikTok, some of the comments, like, people genuinely believe that, I don't know, there's, there's, there's got to be some kind of inappropriate relationship there with my boy just because he's male, which is just, wow, mind-blowing. It's so, dis- um, it's so, gr- it's so disgusting that even has yeah, the nerve to sad. even put that in a comment in black and white and press yeah, it. Like, it's crazy. Oh, but, yeah. It, and to me, that's, that's a whole other conversation about right. toxic masculinity and ha- about how after one, you know, he should, I should be, encouraging him to toughen up and not need mm-hmm. comfort and if I'm pandering to that then I'm molly cuddling him and mm-hmm. 
yikes yeah that's a whole that's a whole other box of worms <sighs> but, um yeah definitely it's the sexualization of women's bodies isn't it and mm-hmm. beyond one I think the majority of people don't see that there is a need and I get comments like put it in a cup why don't you express just pump as if that isn't making extra work for myself just for you or, you know um, like for you for you yeah. not to be triggered let me work harder I think that's bizarre, <laughs> right? I know because you don't have enough to do already but so <laughs> In those comments, though, like people, once you say, well, I'm not doing that because these are the benefits, they say, well, so why not just express? So the issue is that my son is latched onto my breast and he's Mm -hmm. not a baby and he can talk and he can walk. That's the issue. And they, I don't know, it's, I think we're just in such a rush to make children grow up that I don't think people trust that they will by themselves, like... I think it's mind your own business. Who is why are you so concerned on how my son grows up Mm. or my daughter or my child? Mm. Why are you so concerning yourself on him not being able to either sleep in his bed or get off the boob? Mind your own boobs and your nips and your business and get out of mine. My baby is in, in good hands. I'm not harming him. So what the heck are your business with my boobs? Like weirdo, these are mine. Okay, and that's my child. You don't know his name from Adam. Mm -hmm. Okay, why is you concerned with anything that I'm doing? The only question you should ever ask is the children safe? Yes, then mind business. Okay, because I'm sorry. It's just, it just, I hear some of the things because you do, you put your entire body into the the view of the world. And then people think they say, can say, put it in a cup or you're a human pacifier or that's sexualized, like the audacity for one. And the benefits for breastfeeding don't end at that 12 mark month marker. I mean, you just posted of the benefits today of what extended breastfeeding is. So, and I just don't quite understand, and I do understand why it's that way, but for that it's still like that, and that's such a, that mindset, and it's holding on to dear life, like, that Mm -hmm. is like, it's like a little cockroach that just won't come out, like, they're holding on to dear life for the way things Mm -hmm. used to be, and I think that's why it's so ugly. There's such a shift in society right now that the people that cling on to the old way or the things that it used to be are really making things ugly for people. They're showing so much resistance. Mm-hmm. They're like a wounded animal. And that's when they're most dangerous. And that's when we're getting a lot of that hate, that exposure, because they know that their time is up and that things are going to change. Yes. regardless of their comments about me being a human pacifier. Absolutely. So. Um, I am certain that the people who make such vile comments feel like they feel threatened by how confident and empowered I am. I mm-hmm. will not have anyone tell me how to mother and what to do with my body. And I think particularly it's often... I'd say probably around 75% of the time, it's like my mum's generation, so women in their 50s and 60s, who I I mean, I'm just speculating, but who I think didn't have that power and ownership over their bodies Mm -hmm. 
and their breastfeeding journeys. And so they're so triggered by seeing that I am comfortable and confident and currently going against the grain. Hopefully, you know, it won't be that unusual for long, but I think it's very triggering for someone who was told. And I've heard often, I have friends even nowadays who've said, whose partners have said, well, it's not really an option for you to breastfeed beyond X amount of months or years. Because, yeah, they, <laughs> I don't know, won't allow it. I don't know. But, yeah, that's, I know that is, whew, that's something else, right? Mm. Uh, no. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Who, the, uh, like I said, the odd, I shouldn't be surprised. I shouldn't yeah. be surprised that yeah. there are people that think that they have that much power yeah. over somebody. Um, but they, but they do and they and we see this often mm. and I'm Very. hoping that you them feeling I feel like if anyone's listening right now you can feel the fire coming from the the speaker because you have two very passionate mothers and women <laughs> that refuse yes. you know and I think that these our voices and what we say are just that like us on that that po- that podium that everyone responds to cover like surround by like yes like people need to say this people need to listen to this and then they go to their friends oh my gosh did you listen to Danielle and Alexis on a gentle co-sleeper they stick it to the man okay like and that's really what this com- these conversations are for is that we are helping along that change that's inevitable mm-hmm. I tell my husband that all the time like we get really worried about you know, we're an, an interracial family, you know, our sons are biracial. They like, you know, all different kinds. We're just a, we're just a huge conglomerate of different cultures. And I was so concerned of the really hateful things that we were getting mm-hmm. to from society and just in public, the looks, asking if I'm the help, stuff like that, you know, all different. Weird. And I'm just like, Kobe, these are the people that are yeah. It's like I always compare it, the wounded animal. Things are getting better. Things are going to change because, and this is what happens when things die off is that they get scared and then they start to react and then bad things, scary things happen around you. But I truly believe in society. I truly believe in people like you and our community that we continue to build and grow and outreach because those mommies that sit alone just have equal power of their own autonomy and body as we do. They just need a little help getting there. And I'm hoping that listening to this episode that we just so effortlessly just did together. And I'm so, I needed this. My cup is literally overfilling, just saturated with power and glory. Um, I hope that this helps and fuels you in any journey that you're in, whether that be breastfeeding, motherhood, whatever. And I really appreciated this talk with you, Danielle. And I know that everybody listening knows who you are, but just in case they don't know where to find you, where can my listeners find you and and all the things that is the the breastfeeding mentor? And where can they get your book? I know where that can't question, but please get that shameless book. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok and YouTube recently as the breastfeeding mentor. Um, that's also the name of the website, thebreastfeedingmentor.com. And you can, there's a link to the book on Amazon on the site. Um, it's also available on Amazon Kindle as well. So you can read it if you have a Kindle um, book or the app, you can read it there too. 
and I would love to hear from anyone. It is for me too, like it's not, I'm certainly not an expert in this. I'm not, I have the lived experience, but I'm not like, I'm not 100% confident about everything all of the time, far from it. And mm-hmm. when I get occasionally, most of the time I laugh it off. Occasionally I'll read a comment and it really hurts. And I have, mm-hmm. you know, I'm questioning myself. I'm like, ah, is this right? Um, should I still be doing this? And it's conversations with people like you and all of the people that contact me on a daily basis online that, yeah, reassure me it's okay to go against the grain. Um, like it's it's not even about the facts. Like the facts speak volumes. It's about mm-hmm. how I feel. It's about how confident I am and how comfortable I am in mothering on my own terms and no one else's. So yeah, it's really uplifting for me too. Um, yeah, as well as I hope anyone who who listens to this episode or yeah who sees a reel and likes it and it yeah touches a chord with them absolutely and you even speaking to is this right for me I feel like that's kind of like that like like a a, a extension of almost like imposter syndrome like am I doing this for the right thing like am I do I know what I'm talking about I just dealt with that just recently especially in my new like light of what I'm doing and my new direction it's that imposter syndrome that allow that people that allows just completely to beat you down to almost believe the narrative it's that like poster name gaslighting I'm just like oh wait is this wrong what am I doing is this right and like especially when it comes to our topics of such taboo things like having our boobs out on the subway or talking about <laughs> yo another another plug to your reel like okay mama I saw you <laughs> but also and talking about falling asleep with your baby in your bed like yeah. there are there are very very terrible things that you find lurking in your message requests mm-hmm. that if um I just they really they really make you just step aside for a second because in the, the terms of, you know, breastfeeding and what make it, how it makes people feel or makes them triggered, same thing goes for like bed sharing or co-sleeping or any of that because I've been blamed or accused of putting dangerous, like I could, you know, potentially actually physically harm a baby that I don't know because of my information, like I'm endangering other people. So it's just like, I totally get it. But I'm again, just like me, Danielle is just a mommy out here that's speaking to her own narrative and dancing to her own drum. And if you dance to the rhythms to either one of our platforms, I continue to hope us share this dance together because um, I'm just so happy to have had you on the show and to talk to you. And I really hope that our listeners that listen today also do. So with that being said, thank you for coming here today and listening to me and Danielle, and we will talk again soon.